we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Sands Hall has been a singer and songwriter most of her life. However, a big portion of her life has been spent writing and publishing books and plays and extensive work as a theater artist. As a musician, however, her sophomore album, Sturdy Boots, drops this month, November 2023. Sands joins us for this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about her exciting life as a writer, actor, and musician, and her latest album, Sturdy Boots. Hi, Sands. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy to be speaking with you. You are on the West Coast, right? I am indeed in a small, lovely town called Nevada City in the Sierra Nevada, in the foothills. Oh, wow. Cool. I bet it's yeah, gorgeous out quite there. beautiful. Yeah. It is. <laughs> that is cool. Um, I, I'm taking that wasn't home originally? I actually grew up in a valley formerly known as Squaw Valley, now called Olympic Valley. The Olympics were held there in 1960, and for probably obvious reasons, the other name has been removed from it. <laughs> and uh, so I lived close to um, Nevada City, Grass Valley area when I was growing up, but never really knew about it. And oh, then I okay. came here after I I got my uh, two, count them, two MFAs, <laughs> and was then wondering what in the world I was going to do, and landed in this beautiful place where I've been able to uh, both be on the stage and work on my writing, and of course, create a fabulous uh, uh, group of musicians with whom I am lucky enough to get to play. So you have lived on the West Coast most of your life then? I have. I did spend about four years in New York City. I call it sort of my uh, a different kind of master's program because, of course, you learn a lot from being sure. on the streets. Yeah. And I was uh, working, well, largely I was working as a uh, waitress at the Magic Pan. Okay. But I also was doing music and theater and stuff. And, um, and then I also spent actually on and off about a decade at a 
college called Franklin and Marshall College where I was a professor of um, English and creative writing. Oh, cool. With that okay. delightful college. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've definitely spent time on the East Coast as well as the West. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think I read somewhere where you had mentioned that your first that you wrote your first song when you were 14, but I think if I've got this right, you're you're only just now recording your, getting ready to release your second recorded album. Is that right? Yes. It's funny. I did write my first song when I was 14. Um, sappy little darling thing that that song was. <laughs> and I did play a lot of music um, all through many, many years and wrote a lot of songs, especially when I was in New York City in my uh, 20s and then I moved to Los Angeles and through a series of circumstances I stopped playing so much music um, and those two circumstances include that I got involved with the church slash cult of Scientology uh -huh. it's really big for me that I can say that out loud but <laughs> I can and um, at the same time I met and married or the, how that Scientology thing happened is I met and married a very fine jazz musician he played upright bass named Jamie Font. Played with the likes of Stanley Clark and Chick Corea. So he wow. had like status in my eyes. And uh -huh. jazz was relatively new to me at the time. And um, I just fell in love with it. But I was informed that my kind of music, which up to that point had been what you might just call plain old folk uh -huh. music, uh -huh. wasn't really music. Uh -huh. Jazz was music. Okay. But my kind of music wasn't. So the combination of those things, I just hardly ever picked up my guitar and I mean I did sometimes a song would just come roaring through and I would write it but uh, then I moved to Nevada City where I live now and uh, met some wonderful musicians and they were like these are great songs you mm -hmm. should do more mm -hmm. and so that eventually led to my first album which the joke is it could have been an LP it could have been an 8-track could have been a cassette <laughs> And I, I made a seat just in time for those to just about go obsolete. Okay. But, um, but it was very jolly. And so that was a number of years ago. And now I've got a second, um, see, yes, a self album. There are some CDs, but mostly it will be streaming uh, yeah. coming out called Sturdy Boots. Okay, cool. And then in the yeah. midst of all of that, you, you um, if, if I'm right, spent a lot of time in theater um, and you've... Uh, written plays or acted in plays i think i'm i'm sure i read but tell me about that part of your life oh that's so kind of you yes uh, my first sort of endeavors in the world were much more around theater um and music was um i did it but it wasn't like where i was focusing so yes as an actor i performed with uh, like colorado shakespeare festival and the oregon shakespeare festival and lots of um uh, regional theaters and so I had a lovely career as an actor, and then I gradually moved over into directing, which I also adore doing. Mm. And through a series of circumstances, I also came to write two plays so far. Um, oh, cool. One was an adaptation of Little Women, which um, has been performed numerous theaters around the country. Cool. And, uh, at, at the time, there wasn't a really good adaptation of Little Women, and now there's a, a very nice one mm -hmm. um, that's in the world. And then... Um, and then I found out about this wonderful controversy, which is that Wallace Stegner, a very well-known Western writer, had actually plagiarized quite a lot of the material that makes up his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Angle of Repose. So hmm. that got me all excited, and I wrote a play called Fair Use, which is a copyright term mm -hmm. about that, which mm -hmm. is, has also been 
produced several times. It's largely uh, used as a fundraiser for various uh, beautiful areas in the West where the Mary Halleck and her husband Arthur Foote live because it was Mary Foote's, uh, Mary Halleck Foote's writing that's mm -hmm. Stigner, and life mm -hmm. that Stigner borrowed so thoroughly. So those were the two plays I wrote. So yes, lots and lots of theater and I love to direct a big part of what I love to do. Performance is great fun, whether it's with your songs or your just behind the scenes telling actors, you know, where to stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where did the uh, creative arts, music theater uh, interest come in for you uh, when you were growing up? School? How, how did how did all of this this, this the, the creative side of you get get awakened? That's such a sweet question. Well, I imagine it's because I I grew up in a family that was pretty oriented towards arts. My father uh, was a pretty well-known writer, um, wrote a contemporary to his time novels, and also westerns, which uh, his novel Warlock was a finalist for a Pulitzer, which takes place in a you know 1850s war, uh -huh. um, western town and. And uh, lots of people say it's, you know, like Deadwood was based on it, which it wasn't. But it's that kind of mm, territory. Okay. So, um, and then I just, I think we were always encouraged, my my siblings and I, to, uh, that art was a great place to have a life, live a life. And there wasn't any sense, which I know, having been a professor now and talking with lots of others, that lots of parents were extremely disparaging <laughs> of going into a career in the arts. But we were very much encouraged in that direction, um, all of us. And uh, and my brother became a playwright, ran a theater back east, and I, you know, as we've already discussed, pursued things. My younger sister, um, both of them are photographers, but, but most they mostly spent their lives doing other things. My youngest sister runs the Community of Writers, mm. which is a 54-year-old community of writers that is uh, runs workshops every year and. So cool. we have a, it was a pretty dynamic family. Yeah, and, sounds uh, like it. I talk a lot about that, actually, in my memoir, which is called Reclaiming My Decade, Lost in Scientology, because there there are some similarities to a really close-knit family and a cult, you mm -hmm. know, and I try mm -hmm. to make, in a very loving uh, and, uh, I hope, humorous way, try to make those connections, because uh, even a family as, I would say, you know, artistically enlightened as my own, there are still sort of things, a sense you you have to step up to certain kinds of plates. Um, so, like all families, I'm sure anybody listening to the podcast uh, has their own uh, version of, of that in some sure. way. So, yeah. Um, but it was, I feel very fortunate to have been inside such a loving family and such a creative one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I, uh, I appreciate the the uh, philosophical connection between the two, and I I, I wish. Um, maybe another podcast. There, there's so many questions I want to ask about that, but we don't have time. Um, well, but, I'd but, love to, of course, um, anytime. Yeah, that that whole um, that whole journey into the Scientology and how some some of you folks have been lucky enough to get out of that. That just uh, that's a fascinating thing that doesn't have anything to do with music. So that's not why we're talking today. Well, and I would just say that in a way, although we won't go into it right now, it has so much to do with my music. I mean, I literally at one point lost my voice wow. when I was singing at a concert because I couldn't actually, I'd written a song and I couldn't actually sing the song for the purpose that I was there in a Scientology mm. rally to do. And I literally didn't sing for years after that. So 
there are interesting aspects of that that, um, yeah. of course, you know, when your life is long, you kind of, those things go by the wayside. But, you know, bringing that up reminds me of that um, yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Um, so you, you've, you mentioned a book and, and you've written more than one. Um and and theater and music and do do you have a, a a favorite aspect of of that for you? Is there a favorite uh, one part of your career that you uh, have a have a, a fancy for more than another? It's always the one I'm sort of working on hardest at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, and then of course sometimes the one I'm working on hardest at the time makes me long for another one. I will say sometimes I think if you had just focused on one of these you know, would you be further along in one of them? But I really love that I'm able to spring or slide or whatever the verb would be from one to another. And they really feed each other in such an extraordinary mm -hmm. and uh, satisfying way. And um, I currently just w working on a concert for the release of this new album, playing with just some magnificent musicians and um, sort of in a kind of heaven every time we get together. And then, you know, I know as that's going to come to a close, and there'll be other concerts, but they'll probably be much smaller. I have six amazing musicians accompanying me. They're all on the album, but they're all going to be on stage with me, um, and it's just going to be, you know, marvelous. And so then I'll, I will slide over back into working on my current novel, and then I have something I'm going to be directing in December, and concerts that will come up in the hmm. new year. So it's just a nice glide between the yeah. three, and I make, you know, the bulk of my living teaching and uh, writing so you yeah. know it works it all works is writing songs or when you set out to write songs how different is that than when you settle in to write a book or sit down to write a play another great question i think if i applied to my songwriting how what I do when I'm working on a novel, I probably write more songs, which is when I'm working on a novel or a, in other cases, a memoir, I'm pretty faithful every day, you know? It's uh -huh. like that's where you need to be for a little, you know, it could be, it could be half an hour or it could turn into four hours, but that's what you're doing. And writing songs is more like I'm having a glass of wine and I'm playing around with a new tuning and some lyrics sort of, some really cool sort of shift of chords comes along and then maybe there's some words that come and then I go down that rabbit hole and have a great time. Other times um, it'll be a phrase. I remember when I was living in New York all those years ago and I went down, I was very young at the time in my 20s and I went down to a local bar and it felt a really big deal. It was the first time I sat at a bar by myself hmm. and the, this is how long ago it was. I actually had a glass of Chablis. That's how long ago that was. And um, and I remember looking down the bar and seeing all these men, other than myself, sitting at the bar. And they had their hands around their their uh, beer glasses, you uh -huh. know, and occasionally there was a shot glass. And I just thought to myself, oh, we're all leaning into loneliness. Wow. And that became a song, right? uh -huh. kind of a bluesy song uh -huh. on my first album. and. But so sometimes that's how a song will come, okay. you know, where it's like there's a there's kind of a phrase or an idea. Um, but writing with my other kind of writing, um, the plays have all come very fast because I had, I had to get something done and I was really just like a deadline, which uh -huh. is always wonderful. Uh -huh. And uh, with the novel, there's there's more that sense of if you don't show up, the muse won't be there. 
which is just true for songwriting <laughs> as it is for any other kind of writing. Do you hear songs in your head when you're writing for your book or for plays? Sometimes, absolutely. Um, I actually really appreciate, I thought about doing this myself, is both my father uh, would, I remember when I was growing up, he, he would be blaring arias from his office. He would love to listen to opera. Mm -hmm. And I remember when um, Amy Tan, the wonderful writer, has been uh, part of my life because she uh, got her agent through the community of writers and she's always stayed very friendly with the community of writers and therefore with my family. And and I know that because she was so famous and having to continue to write books that she would put in earbuds and listen to a very particular set of songs in order to always return to the landscape of where that story was taking place Interesting. to mm. land there again. And so from time to time, I'll do that. I'll find something that really there seems to encompass a territory that I'm working on and just play that um, for the time of that chapter or the time it takes to work on that, which yeah. is sometimes, you know, not more than, you know, it's going to take weeks sometimes. So right. it can be very useful to get a resonance going yeah. around a That's time cool. or a place. So the, the new album is Sturdy Boots and that I believe is not out quite yet on the way, right? It lands, it's coming out on the 3rd of November. Okay. A week or so from this podcast. A week from tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it is the first album, uh, what I listened to, had a really kind of strong, folky Americana feel. Are we getting the same from this one? Yeah, there's, uh, I think it's interesting because I told you that story about the jazz musician who kind of told me my music wasn't music. And I'm very grateful for the sort of jazz influences that have emerged uh, over other songs. So there's, I think you'll still get, there's actually one absolute country song on the new okay. album, Total Country. Um, and there's much ones that are, I really got into open tuning. So there's a lot of, um, several of the songs, two of them are in open D and one is in open C. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of, I love that big open sound that an open tuning can give. So I think, and I have such wonderful instrumentation like oboes and and, and violins that it feels like it's a little more towards the jazzy than mm -hmm. the but then the folk still soundly in Americana. Mm -hmm. There's one song on the album I'm quite excited about. It's called It May Be, and I wrote the lyrics ages ago, and it was a kind of country song. Mm. But I didn't. I thought it was so insipid that I never played it. Mm. And then I was introduced to this big wide open C tuning. And I began to play around in the C tuning. I had a friend, Randy McCain, who plays reeds, uh, clarinet and bass clarinet and sax on the album. Um, and he was over. We were rehearsing for something. He said, oh, that's, that sounds like a raga, which, of course, it isn't, Greg. Mm -hmm. But it made me go down that uh, rabbit hole for a bit. And so it's, it's really trancy, and it's got this beautiful um, percussion and bass going on in it, and... Uh, accordion that hmm. kind of adds a far, you know, far eastern sound and yeah. mid eastern sound, and um, it is, I have to say, really good for driving on the freeway at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I like that. It's a nice long one. You can kind of get, you know, sunk into it. So that's a really different piece. The uh -huh. way that on on Rustler's Moon, that first CD, there's that 
Light a Candle for Freedom, which is a acapella three-part yeah. harmony, which is a really different piece yeah, as well. Very so pretty, yeah. My, my two producers have both said, you know, gosh, you know, get what's coming up next, which yeah. I'll take as a compliment. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like very different kind of music. So will you take this on the road? What kind of, how, how will you share this with your fans? Um, this big concert up here at the, a beautiful historic theater, and then uh, probably most of it will be um, trying to get the word out about streaming, and then my one of my favorite things to do is house concerts. Mm. Uh, I mm-hmm. love I love an audience that's really attentive, mm-hmm. and I love that a house concert you can have that intimacy with the instruments, and so I'll probably be taking it on the road uh, in various venues. Uh, places, friends who are, have actual houses or people that actually, you know, run house concerts. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'll probably take just one or two of the musicians because it's, it's not really feasible to, A, to carry around six extraordinary musicians. And one of the reasons it's not feasible is because they all have sterling, astonishing careers of their own. <laughs> so I feel very lucky to have them with me on November 3rd for this concert. Sure, but yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not going to be going on tour, but some of them. Sometimes I travel with one or two of them, and that's that can be just so enjoyable. Yeah, so. that's cool. So, how do you like to communicate with with uh, your followers? Website, uh, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? So great. Um, probably my website's the best. Um, that's the best way. Stands at sandsall.com, and I'd love to hear from anybody. And then. Um, Thanks to CD Baby, I'll be on all of the streaming platforms as of the 3rd of November. And um, so any, I have uh, Facebook, I have Instagram, and I have a website, and I would just so love to hear from people if they want to talk about a song or get in touch. Awesome. I, I wish we had more time. I There's so many other uh, fascinating qu- questions about your fascinating career that it would be fun to delve into. We'll we'll have to get together again. I appreciate you, your your career and your story and and being willing to to share with us. And we certainly wish you the best with the new record. Thanks, Greg. What an entire pleasure it was to speak with you. Thanks for these wonderful questions. Oh, awesome! And for Thank the you. and the the support of the album, I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. 
From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.